welcome back to another episode of Fantasy Baseball Buds. I am your host, Richie. Joining me as always is Matt. Today is Sunday, April 10th. We are recording, so there are still some games going on, but we'll try to get you guys all caught up on what's happening over opening day. We are going to go over some news and notes, some hot and cold starts, who are the most added and batters and pitchers as far as ESPN leagues, and then we'll go over some minor league news. But first, Matt, welcome to the show. How are you doing? How are you feeling? I'm feeling great after a successful bid for, for Kyle Wright. Uh, watched his full start last night after I got home from work. Was very impressed. Stayed up just to uh, contemplate what my team would look like with him on my roster. And then woke up after two hours to make sure I did, in fact, win him in waivers. But uh, one start, you know, it was a good start. Long season ahead of us. We're going to get into some of the hot and cold guys today. But uh, it's hard to really gauge who these players are going to be after just a singular start. But you and I last year had uh, watched the Carlos Rodon start, really liked what he did. So, you know, I, I like to jump on these guys early uh, with the hopes that, you know, if it is a breakout, you have them on your team. Because for the most part, this first round of waivers that we're going to talk about, this is going to cement the foundation for the rest of the waiver wire moving forward. Yeah, and you and I are both on the, the same page as far as being very aggressive early on because there's a lot of these guys out here on your waivers that are probably less than 50%, maybe even less than 25% rostered. And in a week, two, three weeks from now, they'll be close to 75 if not 100%. And you got to capture those breakouts early and often. I got Trevor Rogers last year. Logan Webb was on our radar as well. He kind of took a little bit to get going and then really took off when he got off the injured list. But for those of you guys who don't know, Kyle Wright did pitch six innings with only two hits allowed, zero earned runs, a walk, and six strikeouts. It was against the Cincinnati Reds. However, they do have some good players in Jonathan Indy and Joey Votto. So that is good to note. Um, Before we go into the other hot starts, let's go over some news and notes. Um, most of these are going to be injury related as all the other news and notes we have are going to be the players we're talking about with the hot and cold starts. But the big one is Taylor Rogers was traded to the Padres for Chris Paddock. Um, there is Brent Rooker coming back to the Padres as well. This is interesting to note because Robert Suarez blow blew his first save and gave up three earned runs. So it looks like Taylor Rogers might have a shot at earning that saver closer role. Um, Lucas Giolito is heading to the IL after some tightness. Blake Snell was stretched from his start today with adductor tightness, a similar injury he had last year. And then AJ Pollock left with hamstring tightness on Saturday night. I actually watched this game and he was rounding first, debating if he was going to go to second after uh, a line drive went to the outfield and he decided against it and he pulled up. Initially, he didn't see anything wrong, and then he starts seeing him grab for his butt, and he knew immediately because he's torn hamstrings in the past, and he was like, nope, take me out of the game. He didn't really pull it as far as he said, but he did say that he he tweaked it a little bit, so it might take him a couple days, but I don't foresee an IL stint for him. Additionally, Cabrian Hayes had a thumb wrist injury. I listened to a post-game interview with him and he said it was just a muscle twitch in his thumb and unfortunately since he was out in the outfield they had to take him out of the game and they couldn't figure it out if they were on offense he said he was completely fine returned back to the game on Saturday I did not see what he did yet today but looks like he avoided a a serious injury 
if you don't know, last year he did miss significant time with a wrist injury. So this is unrelated, which is good news. So Matt, some uh, news here early on. What are your biggest takeaways and what do you think of all this? Yeah, so Rodgers is officially the closer now in San Diego. And I think, in all honesty, this could elevate him to top five, top six status within our rankings. You know, you have a Padres team that has occurred some injuries, had some inconsistency in the back of that bullpen, obviously questions coming into the season. This trade for Rodgers obviously locks up that rotation and, and gives them a stable, consistent closer that has done it in the past in this league. I think from a fantasy ramification, Rodgers has always been a guy that's bounced on and off waiver wires because in Minnesota, at times it was a timeshare, at times it was a bullpen by committee. I think with Melvin giving him the job um, through the post-game and pre-game uh, press conferences there in San Diego, this could make him a 40-save closer. Now, he's not a blow-away closer. He's not a Josh Hader. Uh, he's not going to pump fastballs at 99, which is something that you really look for. He's more of the finesse guy, 91, 92. I watched his close. I think it was the first close of the season. Maybe the second close, his first appearance for San Diego. And, you know, it's the same thing as Minnesota. You're kind of like, okay, is he going to get himself in trouble? But again, he's a proven closer. San Diego needed that. They've got it at the back of their bullpen. Uh, giving up Pagan, I think, could be an opportunity for saves for Minnesota. Uh, but as it stands right now, I'm going to be moving Rodgers up into at least my top 10 of closers. My only concern with Taylor Rodgers is we've known him to be prone to blowups as far as Minnesota goes. So I'm just curious if he can hold it down. They do have Denelson Lamette that they could go to. Amazing fastball and a great changeup. Didn't really work out for him as a starter because of those only two pitches. But if Taylor Rodgers does seem to fall apart, I could see them. Nelson Lamette coming in and taking it over. I do agree he can easily be a top 10 closer if he locks it down. That would be my only concern. Yeah, and but, I've heard I've heard with Lamette, you know, the concern really is that at the back end of that uh, bullpen, what you want from the closer is consistency with health, obviously, and performance. And that Lamette's track record of having elbow issues, having Tommy John coming back and not really being at full form, the concern is, you know, would that be a revolving door with Lamette, you know, on and off the shelf? And can you really rely on him four times a week, which I actually think is a very, very valid point. I think I'd prefer for Lamette to be my fire guy, right? The six, seven inning, you know, not a piece that I'm absolutely crucial in my pen, but a guy that's a huge asset when healthy. Because I agree with you from from pure ability to Nelson Lamette should absolutely be a closer. But I don't think there's anybody that's in the fantasy baseball world that would say we have any confidence in his, in his health, do we? No, absolutely not. Surprised uh, he hasn't hit the injured list already. No, absolutely. Um, but let's move on. Um, we got some other things to talk about. Let's go over some of the hot starts. I will admit, I looked to be wrong. Seiya Suzuki already has a home run, six RBIs, and four walks. I will note that none of the Brewers' pitchers look right right now. Could be the cold, could be Wrigley, could be the wind. Who knows? But as of right now, he looks like the smart play for you. Nolan Arenado is also hot. He has two home runs. Uh, he's 6-for-12 with seven RBIs as of this recording. We are recording during the games on Sunday, so that is all subject to change. Alex Bregman also has two home runs with six RBI. Kyle Tucker looks 
primed for another breakout. 273 batting average with two home runs, two runs, four RBIs, and a stolen base. We don't have it in our notes, but I just looked it up. Byron Buxton had two home runs today and one yesterday. So he's uh, leading the league right now with three home runs. And he hit an absolute nuke shot off Adrian Munoz today. Uh, Those of you that remember Munoz with San Diego had Tommy John. Munoz hit through 101 up above above the strike zone, and Buxton just flipped the hips and got the bat out, and it absolutely was a monster shot. Yeah, and I haven't seen these, but I got the updates that he's like hitting the third level. Like mm-hmm. the power production he is providing is unreal. On opening day, he went 0 for 4, and I was kind of worried, but. It was just because I was excited for baseball, trying to flip through all the games, and my team in our Dynasty League was not producing whatsoever. Pete Alonso came out, hit a grand slam. We're getting off track here. But uh, seeing Buxton do this, as long as he can stay healthy, this is kind of what I hope to see, that electric, you know, hearing about how he's hitting home runs anywhere in the strike zone or outside of the strike zone. But moving on from Buxton, what are some of the other takeaways from some of these players we talked about? You look at Arenado and Bregman, right? Question marks for me coming into this season. Third base, obviously, being a position that's not very deep. Uh, you know, you can rely on Devries. You can rely on Jose Ramirez. Uh, Jose Ramirez did sign that contract with the Guardians, by the way, locked up for five years with a no trade. So I think the San Diego chatter is probably done. Uh, but having Bregman and Arenado come out of the gate hot really does help solidify that top end of the third base position. You know, I drafted Bregman in a few leagues with the hope that he would come back and perform like Bregman of old. And here we are out of the gate. Power is showing, you know, the ability to get on bases back. He looks healthy. And Arenado's hot start hitting 500 through the first few games of the season is a really important key for me as well because last year, yes, we saw the power, but we did see that decline in batting average after he left Coors Field. If we can get a 300 Arenado hitter this season, you're talking about the number one third baseman in points leagues. It is early, but I do like what I've seen so far. Yeah, and you and I both have talked about Alex Bregman as kind of a bounce-back player this year. We didn't really believe the the power output because of the uh, you know the fly ball revolution with the the juice balls and last year he didn't really provide much of that power but two home runs already out of the gate maybe that changes maybe we see him at that thirty to thirty five home runs well and uh, the and the last thing I'll say with the Suzuki you know we talked about this off the air his plate discipline is what I'm going to watch all season. The hardest thing for this transition, this uh, transition from overseas is really being patient enough to find your pitch. We started to see a lot more of that from Otani last year where he would absolutely take advantage of his pitch, obviously went on to win AL MVP. But I think Suzuki, if he can continue these four walks, this this trend where he's at least getting on base, he's waiting for his pitch. Today you saw it with Peralta. It was a 3-1 count. Peralta threw one a little bit higher than he should have, and Suzuki absolutely jumped on it. That is the kind of thing you look for from a 27-year-old. You know, I, I think the, the transition is going to be a lot smoother than we think. Again, though, three games, it's going to be hard to tell. Is this just bad weather, bad pitching, or is this the real deal? Patience, to me, says you have a good hitter on your hands. Yeah, and that's that's another thing just with all of the players we're talking about here, hot, cold, the weather and the lack of spring training. I was just listening to the Dodgers and Rockies broadcast and they were talking about Julio Urias, who we'll get to here in a little bit, but just these pitchers, they're used to right now, this would be their second or third 
last outing of spring training. So they're still working on locating their pitches, getting a feel. There's new baseballs, allegedly. So who knows if the grip is different on that. Um, so I'm going to give a lot of these guys passes for this first week or two um, just to kind of see if they get their head right. And the way I'm seeing it, this is a, a prolonged spring training. But let's move on to the rest of the next hot starts for pitchers. Dylan Cease, five innings, two hits, one earned run, three walks with eight strikeouts. Carlos Rodon, five innings, three hits, one earned run, two walks with 12 strikeouts. That is amazing. Sean Manaya, seven innings, zero hits, zero earned runs, one walk, seven Ks. I think we would have saw our first no-hitter if he was built up enough. I wish he could have done it, but it is what it is. Kyle Gibson for the Phillies, seven innings, two hits, zero in runs, zero walks with also 10 strikeouts. And then Kyle Wright, we mentioned earlier, I won't go over him again. And then lastly, Otani, four and two-thirds with only one walk and nine strikeouts. Looked electric. His stuff is legit. Um, I just hope that he can build up and go six, seven innings consistently. So, Matt, I know I rattled off a lot of names, a lot of statistics. What are your biggest takeaways here? Yeah, I mean, Gibson had a great game. I want to see more of that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put this on the mantle as saying, okay, this is what we've seen from Gibson in the past. It is absolute upper tier of ability. You know, I want to see him put together three, four, five outings of this. And then we're talking about, you know, a continuous breakout from the last couple of years. Manaya obviously squashed all concerns that he wasn't ready to, you know, join this better team. He was going to hurt from a lack of park change, you know, that he could possibly lose his job in the rotation there in San Diego. All of that's out the window. This performance was fantastic. You know, I expect to see that continue throughout the year. Probably, obviously, more hits and more earned runs, but great start for him. The one I want to focus on here is Dylan Cease. Our big concerns for Dylan Cease coming into the season was the whip. You know, we saw the strikeout potential last year. The whip was above a 1.5. We had wanted him to really bring that down to a 1.25, you know, even lower if we could. So five innings, two hits, three walks, you know, that's ultimately kind of around the range where I think he's got to stick a couple more walks, maybe another hit. We're talking about trouble, but that's why he only allowed one earned run and the eight Ks are there. If we can even dodge off two walks to give him two to one, I'm really looking for a Dylan Cease breakout. I think Cease as well as Otani have great opportunities to win the Cy Young this season if they can take that step forward. And Cease, you know, kind of starting to, to pave that road. Again, only five innings, so I would have liked to see another turn through that lineup. And I think that's, again, where you might, just, might see another hit, a couple more walks because the batters are seeing him for a third time. But it's encouraging, right? We want to watch these young players develop. We talked about Kyle Wright. I think Cease falls right into that age range. As you get to 26, 27, you've got to be able to, to learn to lock down that third turn in the, in the lineup. Yeah, I'm excited for Dylan Cease. I think he's going to be a phenomenal breakout this year. Kind of see something similar to what Carlos Rodon did yesterday, or last year, I should say. Um, so um, I like the potential for a lot of these names. But let's pivot now. Let's go towards the cold starts and see if any of these guys you're worried about or if it's just, you know, knocking out some of the rust and they're just trying to get their, their gauge on, on the ball here. So we've got a lot of the Brewers. Corbin Burns went five innings with three runs, three walks, and four Ks. I watched some of that game. He did not look right. He kept twisting his wrist when he was throwing his slider, like trying to get a, a feel for it. So I think he's still trying to find the grip. 
Brandon Woodruff went three and two thirds innings with seven earned runs, three walks and two strikeouts. I did not watch any of that start, so I don't know how he looked, if he was missing or just getting unlucky. Julio Urias did horrible today. I don't have the official numbers off the top of my head, so let me pull it up. He went two innings with six hits, three earned runs, two walks, and zero strikeouts. Don't like that. He did not look like he had any command of his fastball or his curveball. He left a curveball right down the middle, and C.J. Crone just smashed it out of the ballpark. Jose Barrios only went one third inning with four and runs, two walks, and zero strikeouts. Moving into a reliever, Camille Duvall gave up three earned runs, so who knows? He's part of a committee with Tyler Rogers and Jake McGee, so maybe he you know moves to a, a high leverage scenario. We'll see how long his leash is. Garrett Cole went four innings with three earned runs, one walk, and three strikeouts. Hunjin Ryu, three and a third with six earned runs. Frankie Montas, five innings, five earned runs, but he also had six strikeouts, so a little promise there. Ian Anderson, two and two-thirds with five earned runs with only one strikeout. And then lastly, Steven Matz with three earned runs, seven earned, or three innings pitched with seven earned runs, five strikeouts, and nine hits. So a lot of pitchers here that are kind of stumbling out of the gate here, Matt. Are you concerned about any of these guys? Which ones are you giving passes for, and which one are you looking at under the microscope a little bit more? Yeah, I think we have to give the pass to Burns, Woodruff, Berrios, Urias, Cole. Um, you know, the guys you really want to start to look at is Duvall, who was, you know, slotted in for a, a big role increase this year. You know, slotted in as being the lockdown closer there, possibly at times with Jake McGee having a little bit of a rotational uh, bullpen by committee, but I think Duvall was going to get the lion's share of those save opportunities. Hasn't come out of the gates hot. That never helps your opportunity throughout the season. Uh, you look at Rue. Rue has struggled over the last couple of years. We liked him as a uh, break uh, bounce back candidate this season because, again, he has proven throughout his career to be a consistent starter. You know, I, I want to monitor the next few starts. I want to give him a month before we really start to say that there is an actual decline in performance there. Ian Anderson did not come out and have the start that I was looking for. You know, I have been looking for Anderson to take that next leap forward into a top 20 pitcher and having that consistency for a few years now. You know, two and two-thirds with five earned runs doesn't help that. But again, just one start. I think my biggest concern, though, is Frankie Montas. You know, you cannot afford to be giving up more than two runs with the team that's surrounding him. And it's going to be a problem all season. If he gets himself into trouble early, they're going to pull him from games. He's going to lose out on quality starts. He's not going to get wins because he's with a bad team. And ultimately, the less time he shows in that rotation, the less and less other teams are going to be willing to offer for him, which is going to make it that much more unlikely he's traded. And then lastly, Steven Matz. You know, I think this is a guy that on and off the waiver wire all season might have a stretch of a month and a half where you're really locked in and happy to start him. But I really don't look at Matt's as more than a flyer guy that you may or may pick up based on uh, opponents in the current given week. Yeah, and out of all these guys, the only one I'm really concerned about or really want to see more of is Ian Anderson because he had that shoulder injury last year. I didn't get a chance to watch his outing, but just seeing that, I wonder, is his velocity down? Is there something still going on? Is he compensating a little bit more? So I want to see another one or two starts before I really start getting worried, but for the rest of these guys, I'm not too concerned. If they're on your team, don't worry too much. There's a long season ahead of us, so just buckle down because you're in for a long ride. But let's move on to the most added 
in ESPN leagues. We're going to go over the top five hitters and the top five pitchers that have been added over the past few days. We'll start out with batters and then we'll go through them and then we'll go through the the pitchers. So first, Julio Rodriguez. No uh, doubt about it here. I think the biggest reason why he's being added is after making the opening day roster. Gavin Lux, hot out the gate um, with the AJ Pollock trade. He is now in line for more work. He's got three hits, three runs, and two RBI. He's batting near the bottom of the lineup today. He was batting ninth. Jeremy Pena, shortstop for the Houston Astros, hit his first home run. It was a, a beautiful story. They were interviewing his parents during his at-bat, and he hits a home run, and his mom just stands out and starts clapping and cheering and his dad calls it while he's getting interviewed he goes yep and he just took that picture deep and and just put a smile on my face you love to see good stories like that randall gritchick is number four he's one for five with a stolen base i think the the helium is starting to rise with an outfielder that is in colorado always hit for a good power close to a 30 home run type of guy but always had low batting average close to that 220 to 240 maybe being in Colorado we see a 250 260 hitter which is definitely serviceable should definitely be rostered in at least all 10 team leagues and at least 75% rostered in 12 team leagues and then lastly Josh Lowe outfielder for the Tampa Bay Rays after Austin Meadows got traded to the Tigers. Looks like he will be playing more. Right now he is two for nine with three runs. I think this is more of a categories guy. You know, he's known for having a lot of power and some speed, but I think he's going to lack in the average. So if you need some speed, this is a guy that you could put on your radar, especially in five outfielder leagues. So Matt, what are your thoughts on all these guys? Yeah, I think the one I want the most, in all honesty, this season, at least through the first, you know, April games, is Josh Lau. Um, you know, he's he's the oldest for the most part in terms of these younger kids we talked about with Pena, Rodriguez, and Lau, and he's producing, right? He's already two for nine, the three runs, shows plate discipline. He, he has the pedigree to play at a big level for a good team. You look at Rodriguez, he's one for 12 to start this season. You know, I, I think the hype from spring training, the excitement for him and Bobby Witt and Spencer Torkelson, we forget that in spring training, these guys are facing single A, double A pitchers, right? And yes, they may be facing an ace or two, but those guys are working on throwing a cutter they've never thrown in their life. So Rodriguez is going to have the struggles a little bit out of the gates. I'd like to see a little bit of power from him over the next couple of weeks, even if that average is still below the 200 mark, the 250 mark, at least show some of the prodigious power that we've seen before. Build some confidence with him. Um, I think in all reality, if you have him coming into this coming week and you only had a four-game matchup to start your first week, wouldn't it be a bad idea if you have an outfielder on the bench to swap him out, at least until Rodriguez gets going? I don't think what we're going to see here is a guy that it all clicks right away and he goes on a tear. I think this is going to be a gradual increase in production. Pena, I think, is solid. You know, he's a guy that... I think on the waiver wire, you may just want to keep an eye on at this point. I think adding him and starting him would be more of a, as you said, helium approach. Randall Grichik is a great 
comp for a player that I would like to start over Julio Rodriguez right now. Good matchups at times, plays in a good ballpark. And Gavin Lux, man, I have been a huge Gavin Lux fan for four years now, and I really hope he gets the opportunity to play every day. I'd like to see him against lefties a little bit more to start to hone his craft, to start to be able to hit the left-handed pitchers better. And I think with more playing time, you're going to start to see a guy that gives incredible counting stats. We already see it, three hits, three runs, two RBIs. You know, if he can just be in the lineup, he can be patient, he can be on base, he can score runs in such a great lineup. It's a guy that if he's not picked up yet and you have the opportunity, second base is such a hard position to lock up, uh, I would say go out and get Gavin Lux. Yeah, and I think the two that I'm most excited for that I want to pick up and redraft or, you know, keeper leagues, it would be Gavin Lux and Jeremy Pena. Gavin Lux, at least in ESPN leagues, is second base, shortstop, and outfield eligible. So he gives you some flexibility, especially if you're playing in daily leagues. You can swap him in and out, depending on what your lineup looks like. Jeremy Pena, for the simple fact of he's been blocked by Carlos Correa, and in the minors, he was a 275 to 300 hitter with modest pop you know he hit around 20 home runs in the minor so i definitely think he's serviceable out of these players and maybe we see a, a prime breakout for him he is hitting either one or two in their lineup so he should get you know, a lot of runs so i think those are the reasons why i like those those guys i actually had a difficulty um in our dynasty league i wanted to pick up lux and I was contemplating dropping Alex Kirloff for him, but I just couldn't do it because Kirloff is off to a, a horrid start going 0 for 12, but he is dealing with that knee injury, and I have to be patient with him. But Matt, in my categories league, I also have Alex Kirloff. Would you drop Kirloff for Gavin Lux in a redraft league in categories? I will. It really depends on position of flexibility. It depends where your roster is structured. Um, if so have, for this, I also have Ronald Acuna, who's on my IL. So I'd be playing Lux in the outfield. He'd be my fourth outfielder, replacing Alex Kirloff. You're gonna lose power. You know, I, I think that's right off the bat. That's kind of the first assessment that I'm gonna take from this. Is I think Gavin Lux, yes, while at his absolute ceiling, has the power potential to match Kirloff. As it currently stands, I think Kirloff is a better power hitter. Um, I think counting stats, you're going to win with Lux. Uh, I think versatility, you're going to win with Lux. Um, it's hard, man. I think dropping curl off after the first week is, is possibly an overreaction, but and that's what I was thinking, especially in our keeper league, you know, the long-term value, but, but you're, this other league you're not, is, is redraft, you know, so you're, you're not going to be able to pick Lux up next week this time. You're just not you know, by next Sunday. If Lux continues this, he will be rostered in 80% of leagues. And he should be. Those counting stats, his playing time, the lineup, everything. Um, you know what? Uh, yeah, I would do it. Redraft, make the move. You, you, at this time of the season, we just talked about it in the intro. You can't wait around. Um, and I think the ceiling of Kurloff is actually lower than the ceiling of Lux. I think Lux is a perennial all-star if, if he hits his potential. I think Kurloff might be a guy that, you know, plays well, hits you 25 to 30 home runs, hits you 270, but Lux could be a 325 15 80 80 90 90 guy like th that's numbers that you just don't find and if he can even scratch that this season in a redraft that's a player you want to have that versatility and, for and the other thing is he's playing in a dodgers lineup and we're talking about him breaking out and having a higher ceiling than alex kirloff and he's batting ninth so think about that for a second you know 
somebody who would be batting fifth or sixth easily on any other team. So you know all the other pitchers he's playing against are probably not thinking too much about him because they've got, you know, Freddie Freeman to think about, Mookie Betts, all these other guys, Trey Turner, you know. So I think he has that opportunity of pitchers to step off the gas a little bit as far as when it comes to his turn in the lineup. And then batting ninth, you know, he could have some runs if he gets on base with the top of the lineup right behind him. So is that something to think about? Maybe I'll make that move after this podcast. Let's move on to hottest or most added pitchers. At the top, we have Hunter Green. In his first outing, he went five innings with four hits, three earned runs, two walks, and seven strikeouts. Tyler McGill for the Mets, replacing Jacob deGrom, went five innings, zero earned runs, zero walks, and six strikeouts. David Robertson, reliever for the Cubs. He's had two appearances with two innings pitched, one hit, no earned runs, a walk, and two strikeouts with a save. Not sure if it's really a closer by committee. Rowan Wick was supposed to get the the first save opportunity, but David Robertson has gotten it. He hasn't had a save since 2018, so something to note. Alex Cobb at number four. He has not pitched yet, but did have an excellent spring. I recently spent $6 of fab budget on him in our Dynasty League. I beat out somebody who I believe had $2 on him. So just something of note for you guys out of $100 fab, that is. And then lastly, Corey Kluber in his first outing went four and two-thirds with three hits, no earned runs, four walks, which you don't like to see, and five strikeouts. So, Matt, who do you like the most out of this list? It's hard. You know, I always approach things from a dynasty perspective because as, as it stands this year, I'm actually only playing in two dynasty leagues. Um, loved Hunter Green's first couple innings this this uh, Sunday afternoon. I thought he did well. I thought he showed a tenacity on the mound with those 7Ks. The velocity was up there at 101. Uh, Matt Olson did take him deep, actually, on a 101-mile-an-hour fastball, so you have to be mindful of that as well. We talked about Buxton's home run off Munoz. When you throw really hard, you give the opposing batter also a lot more power than they have. I think Green's going to have to learn to scale that power down a little bit with his fastball, start to bring the velocity back in so that he can pitch deeper into games. I like Hunter Green in Dynasty Leagues, but I think, honestly, for a redraft league, I love Taylor McGill this season. Um, I don't know if I like Kyle Wright, uh, Kyle Wright more or if I like McGill more, but what I've seen from McGill this spring and what I saw from him in this first opportunity with five innings, three hits, six Ks, is a guy that could be really, really sneaky top 30. This is a guy that's probably also going to have opportunities in that lineup or excuse me, in that rotation throughout the year because you got a couple older guys. You know, Bassett pitched, pitched really well this past uh, Saturday. Uh, Scherzer came out and performed. We're going to have the concerns with Scherzer and his age. You're going to have the concerns with DeGrom. I think McGill might be the guy that's in that rotation all season long. He's kind of just their stable horse. Uh, I do want to see a little bit more velocity from him, but I love the fact that there were no walks, three hits. Whip was great. McGill is the guy that I want to add or trade for. Yeah, and I actually went and picked him up. I dropped, I think I dropped Robert Suarez in my categories league for Miguel. Because yep. um, I was like, you know what? I'm not dealing with, it yep. was holds and saves. So I was like, oh, you know, I got Suarez. You know, if, even if he's not the, the closer, he's going to get me holds. But I was like, you know what? I can't, I'm, I'm not going to miss out on this because I need to pick up these guys and I'll figure out closing later because it's so volatile, you know? 
you could be a closer one day and next thing you know, you're pitching the sixth inning. And so I agree with you. McGill is the guy to get here, especially after they announced that he's added what two or three miles per hour on his fastball in the off season. That's unheard of. I think he's touching 98 on, on occasion, maybe sitting right around 97. So that's a lot better than 94, 95 from where he was last year. Well, and it's interesting you bring that up. You know, they talked about Logan Gilbert working with DeGrom this off season. And the reason I bring up Gilbert and DeGrom is because if you track DeGrom back all the way to when he was a rookie, I had rostered him that season. Um, DeGrom started off in this league, 92, 93. You know, each season he increased velocity to where he is now. And I just think to myself, if you have a guy that has been able to increase production through velo, as well as his overall dominance, like DeGrom in a rotation, a guy like McGill's velocity jump, I would have to imagine is equated to also being paired with DeGrom as well as that pitching staff and the pitching coaches there. Because DeGrom has to be able to, to mentor and tutor these guys into understanding how to get the most out of their bodies. And I think if you can see the trajectory of where DeGrom was and where McGill is, McGill can enter into a possible ace-level pitcher by the end of this season if he can take on some of those characteristics of DeGrom and hold on to that, uh, that jump in velo. Now, again, one start, you know, spring training is just wrapping. So the season's a long, long year. I want to see that velo continue through August, through September. But yeah, if he can hold that jump in velocity, we're talking about a huge breakout candidate. Yeah, and who knows what happens if and when Jacob DeGrom comes back. Does he get moved to a long relief role? That's something to monitor, too. Uh, but I am excited for what we see out of him this season. All right, let's finish off the show with some minor league news. It just started as well. So I'll run off some of the most notable prospects, at least for more recent Dynasty League. So Francisco Alvarez, catcher for the Mets, hit two home runs this week. Jose Miranda also hit a home run. Hate to see this one. Edward Cabrera, my boy, got placed on the IL with bicep tightness, similar to the same bicep injury he had last year that kept him out for about half the season. Heliot Ramos for the San Francisco Giants has been called up today. As of this recording, he is two for two with one run. I watched his first hit. It was a line drive right at the second baseman. Had to make a, a diving attempt, went off his glove, and then eventually went to the shortstop. But this is a guy who is going to give you some speed and hit for average. I don't know how much power he's going to produce for you, but definitely somebody to monitor. He got snagged in our Dynasty League this morning so if he's still available i'd go pick him up just for the wait and see approach tuki toussaint pitcher for the atlanta braves went four and two thirds with eight strikeouts and one earned run in his debut for triple a somebody who has seen the majors but you know struggled with inconsistency so he always lights up a triple a team but as soon as he gets to the majors you never know he's gonna dominate those lower tier major league teams but when he faces a good lineup i think that's where he starts to falter mackenzie gore your boy matt five innings zero earned runs with seven strikeouts in his debut at triple a i think it's only a matter of time before he makes the starting rotation especially with chris paddock out blake snell now dealing with some adductor tightness i wouldn't be surprised if they just put him on the il snell that is um, just for the simple fact of making sure he's right and they have the depth now. Jack Leiter, you know, uh, Texas Rangers, for our first overall pick, 
three innings, seven strikeouts in his debut for Double A. I wouldn't be surprised if he ascends to Triple A by the middle of summer. And depending on where the Rangers are, if they are trying to make a playoff push, I could see him coming up and maybe working out of relief for that team. And then lastly, O'Neill Cruz hit a double that was 116 miles per hour and drove in two runs for AAA. So a lot to take in here, Matt. Which prospect are you most excited for? Yeah, I'm just going to kind of go down the list here. Um, you know, I've spoken with you off recording here about Alvarez. Uh, I love the power potential. I love the offensive production, but the kid's 20 years old. My concern is with the veteran pitching staff with DeGrom, Scherzer, Bassett. You know, McGill is a little bit older. He's not a rookie anymore. You're going to have to have a command behind the plate. I think the biggest issue with him ascending to the major leagues is going to be his ability to pitch frame as well as call games. So that is something to monitor. I think all season we'll see the production down there in the minor leagues at a high rate. they got to get him dialed in behind the plate. Uh, Miranda hitting the home run is great. Urshela's off to a hot start as well for the Twins. So I think as long as Urshela is playing well at third, we're going to see Jose Miranda held down the minor leagues. You know, they did platoon. Um, is it Al- is it Arias? I know we have, you know, the many Ariases in the major leagues, but the Twins have Luis Arias. Am I pronouncing it correctly? Uh, I think it's Arise. 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 So Arise played third uh, yesterday. I think he went one for four. So they're kind of looking at that platoon approach. I don't love prospects when there's already a platoon approach in the major leagues, but Miranda is, has the pedigree from the minor league success. I think the only way he gets called up before June is maybe an injury to one of those guys in the platoon. Uh, Ramos being called up is awesome. Two for two today as we started this recording. We've talked about Ramos for a number of years now. We've loved him. I want to see that production. The Giants lineup needs it. Dookie Toussaint, again, a guy that could possibly take the role of an Ian Anderson if we run into shoulder issues or inconsistency again. Mackenzie Gore, we all know how much I love Gore. I think this just goes to show that those mechanical problems are dialed in five innings, seven Ks. We're going to see more of that. Again, though, where does he pitch at the big league level, right? We have to have someone in that rotation falter. You said it with Leiter, great performance, uh, more more than just the numbers. I watched some of his strikeouts. I watched his uh, presence on the mound, and he is a pro-level pitcher today. He has the absolute confidence, I think, to walk into that clubhouse and pitch, and God, the Rangers need it. That team has the potential offensively to be good, but that rotation is awful. Uh, and O'Neill Cruz, I mean, I need him called up next week as I drop my, one of my utility hitters for Kyle Wright today. Um, I think O'Neill Cruz, though, he's got to spend probably a month in the outfield down there in AAA, really getting comfortable. As he becomes more comfortable, I think he's immediately on the big league club, and I think he's probably starting in the outfield. Do you know the exact date that they earn another year of eligibility? Usually, usually it's two and a half weeks. Um, okay, so April seventh start date would put that around. 26, 27, right? You know, 22, all depending on when games are. Um, I, I would say end of April. Most of these teams, what they'll probably do is they'll just hold them out till May 1st, you know, just to be safe. Because I know each team has a differentiating within two or three day swing of each other. So I would I would say May 1st for the Super 2 call-up. Uh, that's, that's upsetting for you. But if you do pull out a win in our head-to-head ca- uh, points league, you might be all right with uh, sliding by without a utility, depending on who you play. So I wouldn't worry too much about your team there, Matt. 
Well, and I think that's just into the conversation of how you manage your team throughout the year, right? I, I dropped Luke Voigt for Kyle Wright today. This is a dynasty league. I watched Kyle Wright start. I loved what I saw. I know what I'm going to get from Luke Voigt, a streaky hitter that has, you know, higher upside. But at the end of the day, when you're talking about a, a season that is five or six months long, I wanted a trade chip in Kyle Wright or a, a player that I was comfortable with sliding into my rotation over a guy like Luke Voigt, who for the most part, you can find on the waiver wire. You know, if it's not Luke Voigt for namesake, you can find that production as your final utility spot. Um, I, I ran into the Riley Green injury. You know, a lot of the owners that may listen to this or do roster Riley Green, that was a big piece that was supposed to slide in. Goes down to, to the minor leagues, gets IL'd because he's not on the 40-man roster. Really hurt me. Yeah, and I think those are some of the tough moves you got to make early on because... You know, you could find a Luke Voigt. We just saw in our other league, Yuli Guriel got uh, a dropped as well. But you also have Jared Walsh, and you also have Spencer Torkelson. So your first base is pretty much locked up. So you don't have too much to worry about. I think you'll be just fine, and you'll get it figured out. And that will end our show for today. I like what we're seeing so far in baseball. Um, it'll be curious to see how these pitchers adjust to getting used to the weather and figuring out the grip on the balls. But until then, um, hopefully we've got some better news for you guys next time we talk. Mm -hmm.